Welcome to the Armchair Trader podcast. And uh, this week we will be visiting the subject of cryptocurrencies. It's actually the first time that we've focused on cryptocurrencies as a subject. Today we have Stephen Ehrlich, who is the CEO of Voyager Digital in the US, uh, to talk about this uh, extremely hot topic for investors and traders right now. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. And before we before we go any further, can you just give us a quick rundown on who Voyager Digital is, what you guys do? We are a publicly traded retail agency broker in the crypto space. So we're publicly traded on the Canadian Securities Exchange and the OTC markets. And we focus our business today on U.S. customers uh, trying to, you know, executing trades in the cryptocurrency market because we're connected to over 10 different destinations to bring a depth of liquidity back to consumers to allow them uh, easy access to the crypto markets. We call it crypto made simple. Uh, we offer trading and then we offer the highest yields on interest on cryptocurrency in the industry in the States with interest at over uh, about 10% on USDC stablecoin and seven and a half percent up to seven and a half percent on Bitcoin. So we are an agency broker uh, bringing easy access to to consumers in the US to access the crypto markets and create wealth. Do you anticipate uh, rolling that service out into any other markets internationally or are you just focused on the US right now? No, we, we definitely uh, expect to roll into both Canada and Europe. Uh, the latter part of 2021, uh, we're working in Canada right now with the regulators on confirming and getting a license to operate there. And in Europe, we own an entity in France, uh, old entity called LGO, and it is overseen by the AMF and it has a PSAN license that we're beginning our development to bring the services into Europe as well. Oh, fantastic. So so basically you're really setting out to make access to um, the crypto market um, a little bit uh, simpler and safer for people who are interested in the asset class. Yeah, we really believe that the access to the markets needs to be simple for mass adoption. And we've seen the product in the marketplace. Uh, and there's a difference between being simple and being simple with some information. And we're in the simple with information there. So consumers can get up to over 50 coins with us, learn about the coins, more charting, and really have you know engagement with our app. And therefore be able to really digest information about coins and make really smart investment decisions on what they want to do with with their dollars. And this this brings me on to a subject which is getting kicked around a lot in the media here in in the UK and in Europe, which is um, whether or not the crypto market should be regulated. Um, there is there is a little bit of a definition here in the UK where where the FCA, the local regulator, has banned the promotion of derivatives like CFDs based on cryptocurrency prices. Um, but at the same time, consumers are still be are able to still access the the crypto market independently because that's still sitting outside the regulatory boundaries. But we're now seeing guys like um, the European Commission trying to sort out some kind of a regulatory regime for this this asset class. Do you, do you think that that's, that's something that's realistic? Do you think we're going to see more uh, regulatory control over cryptocurrencies going forward? Or do you think that this is a lot of this is still going to remain outside of that ambit? Yeah, it's a great question. And 
you know, from a U.S. perspective, and I think it'll carry on globally too, is I think thoughtful regulation is needed in the industry to make sure customers are protected, uh, their assets are protected, their identities are protected, all the things that are necessary to have a really growing, you know, multi-multi-billion dollar industry, multi-trillion dollar industry when it comes to crypto. I think regulation, thoughtful regulation is the key to the, you know, truly unlocking the uh, the potential of cryptocurrency and the and the markets. And we're seeing some of that in the state side where, you know, I've spoken to congressmen about this and they're like, we're learning. And I think it takes an education process for politicians to learn more about why crypto matters uh, and why they should be engaged and why they need to learn more and then put that regulation in place. Uh, and I think that same thing will happen, you know, is happening in the EU. I think there's some great rules in place and a lot of countries have rules in place for know your customer and anti-money laundering and now we just got to carry it forward to having a regulated market uh, but i think thoughtful regulation on that i'm not really sure the banning of uh, derivatives or cfds is really the right place to go i think consumers you know should have opportunities to invest their money where they want to and how they want to but let's just think through how you regulate that to make sure it's safe and protected and I think that's where we're going to lead to. It might take a year plus or a couple of years, but that's where I think we're getting to. Bitcoin is obviously the one that uh, most investors are familiar with and is the, obviously the most famous of the cryptocurrencies and most well-established. Um, there's been a lot of focus on this um, over the last couple of months and uh, uh, many questions being raised about how, how high can it go. We've also seen uh, people like Elon Musk and some other companies, PayPal, for example, having a big influence on the price. Do you think it's going to, Bitcoin itself is going to continue to be very responsive to news flow like that, like for guys like Elon Musk or any other influencer in the market who suddenly says, yes, I'm feeling bullish on Bitcoin, or yes, I'm loading up on $200 million worth of Bitcoin. Is that going to continue to be, you know, the main driver of the Bitcoin price? I don't know if it's the main driver, but I think it helps give a tailwind uh, when you have big institutions and big names talking about adoption, uh, whether it's Michael Saylor and uh, MicroStrategies or it's Elon Musk saying, you know, getting behind Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and allowing people to use Bitcoin to buy Teslas. That is all just a piece of why it's gaining momentum. I said on, on something else about a week ago in, in the media, I thought we'd get to Bitcoin 100,000 in 100 days, and then we jumped, you know, we're, we're, we're at 60,000, although we've bounced back a little bit to 55 and change. You know, but I do think we'll get there. And I think it's the adoption that's happening is more and more people are interested. Uh, the U.S. government with, you know, just recently passed the 1.9 trillion stimulus package, and there's more to come on top of that. So Bitcoin becomes a natural hedge to what's going to, you know, the devaluing of the dollar or inflation you know, Bitcoin becomes that nat natural hedge and more so than gold. And I think that's where people are looking to because gold's hard to buy. Uh, there are brokers out there, but it's really hard for a retail consumer to buy that. You know, Bitcoin is, is relatively easy for consumers to acquire and hold. And the security of it is, is much better than what gets uh, in the press. And I think it's quite good. And so therefore, I think there's a huge opportunity for Bitcoin to continue to rise. It's a scarce asset too, right? There's only going to be 21 million of these. Uh, there's no more and that's it. And so I think you take that scarcity, you know, simple, you know, simple economics 
of uh, supply demand tell you where you know Bitcoin should go. So I'm I'm really op, you know optimistic about the price, and I think it's going to be you know go quite higher over the near future. Interesting, very interesting. Just going back to what you were saying about gold and the inflation hedge, uh, this has been a big debate that we we've seen people discussing whether whether in reality Bitcoin is the new gold. Uh, I think a lot of traders were expecting gold um, and silver to be doing a bit better um, than they have done at the moment, whereas Bitcoin seems to be off to the races. Do you do you think that Bitcoin is actually filling that that role that gold used to play in the market? Because in certain like gold, there's only a limited supply of Bitcoin. Yeah, I do. I think actually, I, I have this conversation with people a lot where. Somewhere sometime in human history, we determined gold was going to be uh, something of value. And we just determined it would be for whatever reason. And now I think people are realizing that it's kind of clunky. It's hard to get, to, to own it to, as a store of value. You could buy an ETF, but Bitcoin's just so much easier. And so I think you've seen a transition of high net worth individuals, institutions start buying more Bitcoin and less gold. Uh, they're not giving up on gold, but I think they're starting to use some of their resources as the hedging mechanism to invest in Bitcoin. And why not? It's digital. It's easy to uh, to acquire. The storage of it and cold storage isn't complex. You can outsource that uh, if you're an institution. And it makes it easy for them to hedge, easier for them to hedge in this day and age. So I think we're, we're seeing a transition there. I don't think gold's going away or any of that, but I do believe you're seeing more and more people come in and buy Bitcoin. And the other thing that's been um, attracting a lot of interest has been the launch of various investment products um, that allow investors to either get access to the, the price dynamics of Bitcoin itself or, in fact, a basket of different cryptocurrencies. So we've seen um, the first ETFs coming onto the market here in Europe. We're seeing investment trusts. Um, actually appearing with some degree of exposure to cryptocurrencies. And we've already mentioned that the derivatives themselves are off the table, but it still seems okay, for example, for people to buy um, a crypto ETF. Do you think that these new market participants who are coming into the market are going to influence the price because they're now starting to buy these cryptocurrencies just because that's their mandate. They have to buy it. And is that going to also help to drive prices or, or create more liquidity in the market? I do. And I think the interesting thing is you're seeing these ETFs pop up. And in North America, in Canada, they have an ETF. There's none in the US. Although I think probably late 2021 or early 22, we'll start seeing an ETF uh, in the US. Like there's a lot of people that have applied for that. Uh, they seem to be singular in coins from what I've seen, uh, what I've read, I'm mainly singular. So we got a lot of Bitcoin ETF funds, uh, which will help, uh, you know, they have to back them by Bitcoin. So every time that they create a new share of the ETF, there's a Bitcoin purchase that tends to go with it. And so I do believe that will help cryptocurrencies. It'll help the adoption, uh, help people getting exposure to it. Uh, I just read something that Morgan Stanley was going to offer Bitcoin funds to their high net worth customers. That's a step, you know, so you'll get more money into those type of funds, which will then go back to the purchase of the cryptocurrencies. What really gets me excited is when we get to a time frame where 
you can have some baskets of these cryptocurrencies as some of the funds, but there's still a major difference between owning the fund and actually owning the spot. And I think people forget that these cryptocurrencies are not just for price action. These cryptocurrencies have a lot of value in everyday use as they start building out their protocols, as they start building out the use cases for it. You know, Ethereum has is smart contracts. So everyone focuses on Bitcoin and the store of value versus the payment, et cetera. But there's, there's protocols that will help our everyday lives in making things more efficient. And just owning the price action is great in the ETFs, but owning the spot is going to give you even more exposure to the development of the protocol. Another thing that we've noticed here at the Armchair Trader is that there's a little bit of a generational divide going on in the investing market. I hesitate to come up with a specific age barrier, but it seems to me that above the sort of late 30s, um, a lot of investors are still a little bit skeptical about cryptocurrencies or they see them as risky or they see them as something that is being used to launder billions of dollars um, by criminal networks. Um, and then you get, for example, traders in their 20s who um, some of whom have told us that they're not even in the uh, what I'd call traditional financial markets. They are just trading cryptocurrencies. That That's their market and, and their their knowledge of, say, commodity futures is quite limited, but their knowledge of the different types of cryptocurrencies and the dynamics in those markets is actually um, fairly profound. Have you have you noticed that there's a little bit of, um, you know, it's almost like there's a, a cutoff point somewhere between 35 and 40 in terms of the uh, adoption of these markets? It's a really interesting question. And I think that from what we've seen is the customer segments, the, the age differentiation is just leads people to different products. Uh, we're seeing a lot of adoption of, you know, the older, you know, uh, past the millennial, uh, you know, 40 plus coming into Voyager uh, to buy USDC stable coin and to get interest on that up to 10% interest. So they see that, you know, the 40 and over population is coming into Voyager to earn interest and get yield. Uh, when you go to a traditional bank and it's zero. And so they're doing that. And then they're they're buying some Bitcoin and getting interest on that and then looking into the other coins. I think on the on the younger end, they are migrating a bit more to the cryptocurrency markets. And my belief on that is they saw what's happened. Uh, the end of January was a transformation time for that type of consumer because they were, you know, a lot of people were buying GameStop. A lot of people were in the market on some of those speculative stocks. And when things were going their way, there seemed to be some pushback and, and rules changed and, and different things happened that you know got the retail consumer of that age disenchanted with the traditional markets. And they feel that the cryptocurrency markets are only you know fair markets for retail consumers because the institutions aren't there in the same breath that they are in the traditional markets. So I think you see that at a younger age. I think the older age, still have, want some exposure to the cryptocurrencies, but they're doing it for some exposure and the interest-bearing products that we deliver. Uh, so you're right. I think there is, you know, you go up the age chain and, and time horizon on investments changes for everybody too, right? And I think that's what we see happening. Uh, but we do see, to your point, a lot more retail consumers that are younger really only participating in the crypto markets. And I'm I'm really interested in what you you mentioned about interest because this is not something that gets talked about very much 
certainly in the European press, where the focus is always on how how rich you could be if you had bought Bitcoin five years ago. But the fact remains that in uh, certainly in most European markets, most North American markets, uh, interest rates are are extremely low, um, almost in some cases negative. And uh, no um, indication at the moment that those those are going to rise anytime soon. And people, as you say, are looking for yield from their investments. But it's not something, I mean, certainly cryptocurrencies has not been an area where one would traditionally think of earning interest. Uh, how, how does that work in, in practice? It's interesting. So on the USDC stablecoin, which all that is, is a digital currency that is backed dollar for dollar by... Uh, the, the digital currencies back dollar for dollar with a dollar in a New York State trust bank. Um, and so you can earn up to 10% because we as a company lend that out to counterparties who need to use that for their trading models. And they give us an interest back, which we give basically 100% of it back to consumers. Uh, as of today, 100% uh, for the most part goes back to consumers. And therefore, they're earning yield on dollars and a dollar stablecoin that has zero volatility. Now, on the Bitcoin side, we do the same thing. We lend coins out uh, very much like online broker dealers do today with securities lending, although these are these are coin lending and utility token lending. And so we lend them out to those counterparties for their prop trading model. And again, we give most of the interest back to consumers. But think about it like this. If somebody, our pricing model on how we do it versus the competition is if you bought $100 worth of Bitcoin from us, you pretty much get $99.70 worth of Bitcoin. Some competitors, you get like $96 or $97. Now, if you're earning 6% yield, uh, annual yield that gets compounded and paid monthly, after two years, you've got close to $110, $112. Look at what you've just earned if price stays the same. Now, if the price goes up, you get that yield plus the price appreciation. So it's a great way for people to think about creating wealth in a static market. In a down market, you're still getting your, your yield. And in an up market, you're getting your price appreciation plus yield. So it's really compelling. We're seeing our assets have grown substantially because of this, because people want to get yield. Why not? As they can get the price appreciation. Uh, you mentioned stablecoin um, and uh, the fact that you've providing investors with uh, access to actually a very broad menu of uh, different cryptocurrencies. Can you say which are the other ones that um, investors tend to prefer other than obviously Bitcoin? Yeah, we did a survey of our customers recently. Uh, and I think that outside of Bitcoin, Cardano was one of the largest holdings uh, that customers had, uh, interest that they have. Polkadot is another one. Uh, Polkadot looks like a competitor protocol to Ethereum. And so those are two of the more popular ones that our customers uh, are trading and holding on to outside of Bitcoin and outside of uh, the Voyager token, which is our loyalty rewards program. Outside of the, those two, those Cardano and Dot are two of our bigger ones. You, you mentioned that you're dealing with um, some newer participants in the market. What are you doing with people who are relatively new to the space in terms of helping them to get up to speed and then helping with education? Look, we, we pride ourselves on the ability to give information to uh, new consumers and even you know existing consumers and experienced consumers about coins, about the market. And so we, a couple of times a week, we send them information. Uh, if you've downloaded our app and you've given us your email, even if you're not yet a funded account with us, but 
you're a verified user, we actually send you information that we have. We think it's really important. We're also partnered with Market Rebellion, which is owned by John and Pete Nigerian and Dirk Mahler, who are very, very well-known educators in the space. We think it's really important to grow the ecosystem, to continue to teach people about the different coins, about you know Bitcoin, about why this matters to the way they're going to live in the you know in the future and how transactions will be processed and you know just simple things like mortgages may be underwritten using smart contracts in the future. And one other thing I wanted to ask you was about Dogecoin or but it might be Dogecoin or Dogecoin and the 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 craze that momentarily surrounded that during what I like to call uh, GameStop week when a lot of uh, traders seem to be trying to uh, force the price on that as well. Are you able to just give us your perspective on that and whether you think we might see that happening again with any uh, particular cryptocurrencies? Yeah, I think there's always uh, opportunities when uh, influencers have an opinion on certain coins. I think in this case with, yeah, I'm not sure the name, how to pronounce it either. Doge, Doge, Doge. Whatever floats somebody's boat is, I think, how we deal with it and what we call it. I think one of the most powerful influences of our time right now is Elon Musk, and he has an affinity for, for Dogecoin and thinks that Dogecoin is, could become an opportunity as a payment rail uh, instead of Bitcoin. And so when you have influencers who are getting behind projects and getting behind things, uh, I think there's an opportunity there. And I think that uh, will have an impact on the trading of a you know, particular coin. So uh, what's next? I don't know. We take a very agnostic approach to it, which is why we bring in 50-something coins and we let, the, we let the communities decide and the people decide what they want. I've always looked at an agency broker. My job is to bring access, not to tell people what to buy, but to bring them the access and let them have enough information that they can make their own decisions, whether they're investing or just trading. Either way, you just got to bring them the information and the access. And how do you decide which coins to offer? I mean, you obviously have quite a few available on your platform already. Are you responding to investor requests or are you you looking at market volumes or what sort of checks do you also apply when you're looking at potentially adding a, a new coin to the menu? It's a pretty detailed process we run, actually. And a lot of it is legal, uh, legal oriented. A lot of information is needed. Uh, it's got to pass you know, many tests for us and our risk committees and listing committees. But how we get the coins is we're always scanning the market. We're always trying to see what we think is popular. Uh, we're also at the same time, not just popular, what we think has some ability to be successful down the line. Uh, who's the creators behind the pro, you know, projects? Uh, then we go through all the legal review of them to make sure that in the States, that uh, their utility tokens and not security tokens. We think that's really, you know, that's obviously under the rules of the SEC. That's an important aspect of it. And then therefore work with, with counsel to do that. We do take a lot of requests from consumers and a lot of consumers tend to give us uh, coins that we then put on our radar and we research and we do our research. And sometimes it takes a while to bring coins on the platform because we have to get comfortable with many, many, many things on that. And most notably is the legal side of it in the US. Now, different places around the globe have different rules. And so we're actually so excited when we could bring our product to Canada and Europe as our first two places that it might open up the door for a lot more coins for us to have on the platform in those jurisdictions. 
based upon the different rules of those jurisdictions. And and you said that um, in terms of time scale for a potential rollout in the European markets, um, you're looking at Q4 of this year towards the end of the year. Yeah, we're looking uh, we're looking at the latter part of 2021. Uh, we're working hard to get there. As everything, there's you know UI UX experience for consumers that we want in the app to be similar to where it is today in the US. We need uh, we work with payment processors and know your customer uh, providers and anti money laundering providers. So there's a lot of pieces to come together. Uh, we're working hard at bringing it there, and so we're hopeful the latter part of 21. I would just tell your listeners that uh, if they are outside the U.S. to be really patient, uh, we will be there. Uh, We have a lot of demand from international markets and people wanting to use our service. It's crypto made simple. At the end of the day, we want access to all to be able to use the markets and trade, invest and and create wealth through the crypto markets and believe this is the future. Uh, We'll look at different things like NFTs to add as well. You know, we're here for the long term and growing a really... um, a really strong business. Uh, the markets are changing, trading behaviors are changing. Crypto is right in the middle of it all. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, we'll obviously keep an eye out for uh, your eventual launch of your service uh, here in the UK as well. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. To get uh, up to date commentary on what's happening in the share markets, both in Europe and North America, and our views on some of the emerging investment stories in the small cap space, make sure you check out www.thearmchairtrader.com and sign up to our free daily newsletter. <laughs>